Hello, and welcome to the OCR Exams podcast, where we'll be chatting with a range of guest speakers from the world of education. My name's Anthony. I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. Here at OCR, we're committed to supporting teachers and exams officers at every step of their journey with us. We're also here to help our students to reach their full potential, and some of our podcasts will feature tips and advice on revising, preparing for exams, and managing mental health. Please remember to like, comment on, and subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're using, and be sure to follow our other social media channels. We're on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search for OCR exams. You can also find a range of subject-specific blogs on our website, ocr.org.uk forward slash blog. So let's get started with today's episode. Hi everyone and welcome to the first episode of our Frequently Asked Question podcast for general qualifications. These include A-Level and GCSEPE. My name is John Vary. And I'm Kate Thompson and we're two of the subject advisors for Sport and PE here at OCR. So today we'll be talking through some of the Frequently Asked Questions that get sent in to us here at OCR PE. We want to make this a regular feature, so if you have any questions that you want featured on the podcast, then please email them to pe at ocr.org.uk with the title podcast feature. Okay, great. So let's get started on our first questions, and we're going to focus on GCSE to start off with. Uh, And often we get asked, uh, Kate, um, is it possible that a coach can complete the marks for the practical element of the course? The answer to this is yes, of course. You know, there are an an awful lot of sports featured on the approved activity list and we don't expect anyone to be an expert in every sport. So please do use a coach um, or a sports leader um, for those rather sometimes niche sports. Get their insight, give them the list of core skills, give them the list of advanced skills, explain to them what's needed or get your students to do it Um, but ultimately you are the teacher is the person that's submitting the marks so in terms of your internal standardization you need to have reviewed the footage you need to be agreeing with the coach or the 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 sports specialist that's given the marks um, before you submit them I think that's a good answer. I think the key thing there, isn't it, is about ultimately the teacher is responsible for the assessment and for submitting it, um, which you've mentioned. And I think as long as centres keep that in mind, um, you know, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong, as you said, with getting the help and support from specialists in sports um, that are included on the list. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so another question that we often get asked um, is, uh, and it's to do again with the practical um, side uh, of the course, practical performances. We're often asked to define what is a competitive situation. So the competitive situation, um, slightly different for A level and GCSE, focusing on GCSE. It's a competitive situation needs to follow the guidelines that are set by your NGB for that sport. So it should fe- it should be conducted for the same amount of time. So if it's a football match, it's ninety minutes. Um, it should be the the participants should be of um, the correct age 
for that group. Um, following the correct rules, using the correct court markings, the correct pitch sizes, goal sizes. Um, if you were doing netball, you can't use basketball hoops, for instance. If you're doing football, you shouldn't be using the combination goals as a rugby and football. Um, so, yeah, so as long as it follows the national governing body regulations and the rules are being followed, then it can be conducted in school, after school. Um, it can be a, a league match or it could be a completely set up for this situation, for the assessment of situation. Yeah, thanks. I think uh, um, that's that's really clear and hopefully it just means that students, you know, can access a, a range of activities. And, you know, some students do find it difficult, you know, attending clubs outside of school. So sometimes the yeah. only opportunity to be competitive is, you know, within a PE lesson, for yeah. example, where, you know, you, you set those yeah. situations up. Or into house competitions. Those sorts of things lend themselves really well. You know, sports days. If you've got kids that are doing athletics, I think that's a, a great way of doing it. Yeah, but you definitely. must just make sure you're following those guidelines. Yeah, excellent. Oh, that's nice and clear. Unfortunately, the next question is one that we sort of get off asked, not often, but it does come up quite yeah. from time to time. And it's one that's, you know, is obviously something that we don't want to hear. And it's about um, injured candidates. So, you know, this can be complex. And I suppose, you know, we know from our side that there's no one straightforward answer here to this question. But um, we often centres ask us what we do if a candidate gets injured. And obviously that has an effect on their practical um, assessment. Yeah. And it, 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 like you say, John, it is, it is difficult. You know, we don't want anyone to be injured. We understand that injuries happen, especially in sport. And this answer does apply to both GCSE and A-level. I think the, the main thing we should say, and hopefully you agree with this, John, is that start assessing from day one, you know, start getting that film footage. Because if the injury happens in September of year 11, but you've already got enough film footage for that candidate to, to, to give them a mark, then the injury isn't, isn't an issue. Um, but if you do get a candidate that's that's been injured, you know, you've got a couple of choices, really. You can wait and see if the injury um, recovers, if the, if the player recovers in time for you to do the practical assessment later on. They could pick a different sport. So if it's a lower body sport, maybe they are they can. And they've got the skills to and you've got the facilities to offer a game like table tennis. You know, there's not that much movement in the lower part of the body. It's all upper body. Maybe it's swimming rather than doing a weight bearing um, activity. It could be something that's actually been given as part of their rehab. But please do look at the the list of approved sports because on there there's always an alternative it might not be what they wanted but given the situation given this is their practical assessment 
you know, we've got to try and make the best of a, a, a possibly bad situation. We also do acknowledge that there are going to be times where that no practical assessment is possible. And in that case, we just we ask you to just get in touch with us, talk us through the situation, let us know what you've got, what you don't have, and, and we'll we will find a way to help you. But like I said at the start, please do start filming them, gathering evidence, assessing them from the first day of the course and keep it ongoing. Get the get the, the learners to gather video evidence as they're going along and open them up to different types of sport. Doesn't always have to be football or netball. There are other activities out there in which they could attain a good mark. Yeah, I think I think with that, Kate, the key to that one is that you know that ongoing assessment that starts yeah. right at the beginning of the course really, really helps. Important. Really helps, and I think you know if if you can get assessment done, at least you've got some form of assessment because then if, you know often we speak to people, candidates had quite a serious injury that's going to put them out for months and months, yeah. but if they've already been assessed, and especially if they're on on-site activities. Um, where there isn't that requirement for video or filmed evidence and the teacher has been able to make an assessment in say the first part of year 10 or the latter part of year 10 um, it just helps and they can submit those grades and yeah. ultimately you know if they're called for moderation um, you know they can say that the candidate's injured provide some medical notes and medical information yeah. for the moderator um, so all's not lost in those situations. But I think no. the other thing, like you just said at the end there, and I suppose it's repeating it a little bit, but ultimately, if you are unsure, you know, you can contact us, you can contact the special requirements team as well um, mm. to discuss what, what we may be able to do. But I think you mentioned it there. In all cases, there is something that we can do to support um, the candidates yeah. and uh, make sure that they get a fair outcome. Even if it's just looking at it from a different point, isn't it? Absolutely. Coming Absolutely. up with a different idea. Definitely. So, yeah, so I think we've got one more left for GCSE or fo more focused on GCSE because, like you mentioned, the candidate, the injured candidate one rolls across A-level and GCSE. Yeah. But I think one just in and around sort of we, we get a lot about filmed evidence and, uh, um, you know, what – you know, what are the requirements for filmed evidence for off-site activities? How long should it be, et cetera? Those kind of questions. So is there anything you could help us, um, you know, answer that question to sort of about how off-site activities can be filmed, et cetera? Well, I mean, there's a difference, isn't there? There's the on-site activities and there's the off-site activities. All off-site or those sports that are deemed off-site, so swimming, not all centres have the luxury of having a swimming pool but it is classed as an off-site activity and we understand there is there are some points where you can't film in the swimming pool but it is possible you need to you need to get all of the key skill the core skills filmed not just once multiple times so that they can that the moderator can see there's consistency in their performance. They understand how the, the, the skill is replicated and how to produce the movement. Um, exactly the same for the advanced skills. Then when you're putting it into a drill or a competitive situation, um, again, 
multiple times. We need to see it more than once. Um, also, as a as a as a teacher, you need to have reviewed the filmed evidence and make sure that you're happy that it supports the marks that you're awarding. Um, great piece of advice that our principal moderator gave to um, a, a group of of teachers on Friday. He said, when you're reviewing the video footage, go through it and a lot next to all of the, the core and the advanced skills, write down the time when you see that skill appear. You know, whether it's in drill format, isolation or in a game situation. You can even get your candidates to do this, go through and they can mark off where they've seen their core skills, where they've seen their advanced skills. So you're not having to trawl through hours and hours of filmed footage. You just need to get enough footage that shows and supports the marks that you are giving. Um, we accept that there's challenges. Like I said, with the swimming, it's sometimes it's not possible, but there are ways around it. Um, it, it is about we don't need hours. We don't need three hours. We don't need a full 90 minutes football footage. We need to see your candidates performing these skills repeatedly, performing them under pressure, reading the situation, applying the skills correctly. And if you can get that footage, if you can condense it into an hour, that's great. We don't have a time limit. We don't say it has to be 90 minutes worth of footage. It just needs to be su su uh, sufficient to show those skills and the marks and support the marks you're awarding. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it, Kate? I mean, mm. ultimately, you know, you can provide hours and hours of footage, but if it doesn't, one, moderators have not got hours and hours to sit and look through that. That's the first thing. But two, ultimately, you know, it's, it's, it comes down to the teacher, doesn't it, making yeah. sure that the footage, like I say, supports the marks that they've awarded. Um, yeah. And that's, that really is the key. Um, so and I mean, cutting it down by getting the candidate to watch the footage and right, um, just the time when the skill happens next to the core skills, because that helps them, doesn't it? it? It helps them see which skills they haven't shown, demonstrated, yeah. and it helps you and the moderator pinpoint where you need to be looking at footage to support your marks. Yeah, excellent. So that's the end of the uh, GCSE questions. Um, we will move on to the A-level questions next. A-level questions. So again, can a coach complete the marks for the practical assessment? Yeah, so that's again, it's, it, I suppose that's another, that's you know, the same question that's asked of GCSEP um, uh, and it's exactly the same answer. Um, so, you know, learners, you know, they will complete the work for assessment they should constitute the work for assessment under the supervision of the teacher normally but obviously where that's an off-site activity um, or perhaps under the supervision of a specialist coach so in those instances it's the responsibility of that designated member of staff at the centre to provide the OCR criteria for the activity to that specialist who's overseeing the assessment and, and to communicate with them about that assessment and how it works as you mentioned earlier for GCSE Kate 
uh, Kate. Um, so the teacher assessing the work must be able to make sure that they can, uh, you know, confirm that that's the case. And, you know, that designated member of staff um, also is responsible for that, that, that result ultimately, as we've already mentioned. And again, it's really, really important that, you know, they can, you can conduct internal standardization of the marks awarded, um, including those where you've had sort of that advice by the external parties, whether that's a coach, uh, you know, a trainer or whatever that may be. Uh, and I think sometimes that's an area that you need to be really careful of. Um, so it's, it's absolutely fine to sort of ask, uh, you know, an external supervisor to help and assist, but ultimately you need to, you're responsible as the teacher at the centre and you're responsible for making sure that that offsite activity um, is part of your internal standardisation of the marks that have been awarded and how that fits in with the other sports as well. Yeah. And so I think there's a little bit of repetition there because it's, you know, from the GCSE, but it's the same, it's the same, you know, it's the same kind of information. Um, that we give for the GCSE, but it's exactly relevant for the A level as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Sticking with the the practical side for A level, if we've got, or if if centres have got um, small cohorts or students that there's maybe only one or two of them that are playing, let's say tennis for example, can a female tennis player? be assessed playing against a male tennis player? So I think with any of these sort of questions, when it comes to sort of male and female participation in sport, um, our, our answer is always referring to the national governing body guidelines. Um, so as we mentioned earlier, um, and for A-level, you know, the assessment has to take place, you know, in within competitive uh, games, that are run by the NGB guidelines. So the answer to those kind of questions is always refer to the NGB guidelines for the sport that you're assessing. Um, and we will also abide by the national governing body guidelines in those cases. That's quite a simple short answer, but ultimately that's that's exactly where we are with that. The logbook. So we ask students to complete these logbooks. What are we expecting to see? Yeah, so, you know, it's all learners who are uh, taking part in, actually, this is a double one as well, isn't it, Kate, for GCSE yeah. and A-level, um, must keep a competitive logbook across the two years of their course. Um, and that would be a reflection of the competitive element of what they've been involved in. So you don't, you literally just need to record the competitive stuff. So you don't need training sessions or anything like that. It's just a competitive logbook. Um, there is an exemplar. Um, logbook on the website that you can download and use. So I would advise that you do that. Um, ultimately, though, remember that the logbook is there to help aid uh, your assessment as a teacher of the candidates. Um, and as such, it should be that, um, you know, the clarity of, inv of involvement um, over the entirety of the course sort of shows a reflection of your assessment as well. So it isn't, it's a support supporting piece of evidence that all learners must keep um but obviously you know if you are awarding the higher marks you would probably expect that your logbook of competitive performance would reflect the assessment that you've given um but yeah so that you know the logbook uh, exemplar that you can use and download for gcse and a level is on the website and i just recommend that you just download that and use that um yeah. all the time yeah and it doesn't have to just be lesson time, does it? This is 
you know, any any time your candidates are performing in their chosen sports, they can record the entries, can't they? Yeah, so like, you know, it's got to be competitive. So if they're playing for the school team on a Wednesday afternoon, they can record that. If they're playing for their, um, you know, club side at the weekend, they can, should be recording that. So I think the key thing is it's just those competitive element um, that, they com- that they're recording in there is just like, say, useful to help aid, aid your assessment. Yeah. No, great stuff. Great stuff. Looking at the EAPI. How long is the EAPI and do they get a break? Okay, so so when it comes to the um, EAPI, um, in terms of do they get a break, basically, that le- I think the question that we often get asked is, are they allowed to stop and do they have to, you know, before they start their answer? Um, and ultimately, what we say is that the learner, you know, should start their response um, as soon as an appropriate range of analysis opportunities has been viewed within the performance that they're watching. We, we acknowledge that um, this might vary between different activities, but in general, we look at between 10 and 20 minutes maximum should provide the candidate um, who's observing the performance with enough material to analyse and evaluate. And that would give them sufficient time to make any notes that they want to during the observation. If, for example, that the activity performance is short in its nature, so something like, um, I don't know, a sprint or a trampoline routine, then perhaps you should consider how the performance observation can enable the observer to see enough uh, to assess those strengths and weaknesses. So in that case, for example, they might look at, you might look at observing more than one performance of the same sprinter, perhaps over a number of period of races, and that should give them enough opportunities to be able to assess those. I think ultimately, obviously, as we're aware, in terms of the response, um, and it doesn't include the viewing the performance or the teacher's questions, we have deadlines for those. So it's a 20-minute maximum for AS and a 30-minute maximum for A-level. They can restrict your grade, so please refer to the practical when you're marking it, not the practical, the API marking grid, which gives you guidelines on those. But in terms of watching the performance, in general, between 10 and 20 minutes, but in terms of response time, there is deadlines on those, and that's 20 minutes for AS, 30 minutes for A level. And it should be one, they should start the response as soon as they've finished, you know, watching that performance. They can make their notes, obviously, during the viewing period of time while they're watching it. But ultimately, you know, they might have a minute just to sort of get the notes together and stuff, but it should be a continuous process, and then they can deliver their verbal response. And on Teach Cambridge, there is actually a really useful video about the EAPI produced by one of our principal moderators. And we're also getting some new exemplars, aren't we, which will also be available on OCR Train for the EAPI. And just to add to it, there is um, video guidance for recording the EAPI, because I think that's quite that's an area some centres struggle with, isn't it? On what needs to be actually filmed. Is it just the candidate or is it the whole room or, you know, so please do have a look on Teach Cambridge and OCR Train. Yeah, and there's some really good stuff on there, actually. Um, there's obviously um, exemplar responses with, you know, commentary from the moderator. Like you've just said, there's some videos that you can have a look at. Uh, and you can have a go at grading, and they're really, really useful. Uh, the other thing that I would say about the API um, is that 
and there's a really you know we get real good quality feedback about our cpd offering for the a level preparing for the nea event and you can book those on teach cambridge um and for the for the a level one you get a um you know, basically um, how it works and how it's assessed and how to avoid those common errors. Uh, and with the aims, looking at the structure of the NEA, um, you know, there's, there's some practical uh, do's and don'ts. There's the structure of the API, again, some do's and don'ts in there. Uh, and you get some opportunities, again, to see some more exemplar materials so you can have a look and have a go at marking them. Uh, and like I say, you know, we do get, I'm not here to sell CPD courses, it's not my role, but we do get real positive feedback about the preparing for the NEA courses. And also, you know, I know we sort of this second part's about A-level, but there is a GCSE um, PE preparing for the NEA, which again covers both parts of that, which again is a really good course and gives you an awful, awful lot of information to to help you basically to help you assess your students um effectively to help you to be confident in what you're doing um so there's lots of things to support there there's also uh, a couple of blogs that again you can find on teach cambridge uh, that talk about you know how to get the best out of marking the practical element of of the course uh, and again i'd point you in those directions and they're all useful brilliant got lots going on there i think well, so that's it for our first uh, frequently asked questions for the GQ, GCSE and A-level qualifications. Thank you for taking the time to listen and join us. I hope you found it helpful. Don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues, maybe your students. And please do get in touch with us if you need any further support. All our contact details and social media channels can be found if you visit teach cambridge or the ocr website and don't forget to get in touch if you've got a podcast feature that you would like 